Yes, we come to Psalm 117. And the title of the message is, For All the World. Now, Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter and psalm in the whole Bible. And though it may be short, it's very powerful in what it says. It's also the middle ch chapter of the Bible. Well, let's look at it, Psalm 117. O oh, praise the Lord, all the nations, all you nations. Praise him, all you people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord lasts forever. You praise the Lord. Powerful message, is it not? We are to praise the Lord. We are of the nations. We are of the people. We're to honor and praise the Lord. He spoke and creation came into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Today when I was sitting in our living room, I saw what I've often seen before. Somehow some of God's light from the sun is broken up into its colors like the rainbow. In our living room, sometimes we can see little patches of rainbow colors, quite interesting. Normally we just see light, things are light, but we don't see the rainbow colors. But imagine light being actually made up of those beautiful, wonderful colors. God's creation is marvelous indeed. I was talking with Catherine earlier too and we were considering how marvelous flowers are, how beautiful, how wonderful, and how great it is that God made them as well as everything. This psalm begins with praise and it ends with praise. Oh, praise the Lord. And then in verse two, praise you, the Lord. Now who it is we are to praise, it says is the Lord. Now the word in the original Hebrew is for God, for the Lord is Jehovah. Now actually that word has meaning. It basically means that he is self-existent and he is everlasting. When you really try to think about what that means, it's mind-boggling. God exists through his own person. God is all-powerful. He has no beginning. He will have no end. It's hard to try to wrap our mind around these wonderful truths. And yet, though we may not totally understand it and grasp it, it's true. God is from everlasting to everlasting. And Jehovah is the name by which he revealed himself eventually to his people. And as I said, that indicates 
He's eternal and he is self-existent. Later on and related to that, he said to Moses, I am. I am that I am. Yes, he's eternal, he's self-existent. God is wonderful and powerful. Begins with praise, ends with praise. Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, it says in verse 15, by him, that is Christ, by him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we are to praise God, we're to praise Jesus. We're do it continually. You know, there's a verse in Psalm 100, the old hundredth, that has been a help to me. As we pray, we can try to do what it says in verse 4. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So we approach him with thanksgiving and we come very close to him as we praise him. And so that's one of the great things that this psalm is talking about, about praising God, something that is a part of our Christian relationship with him. And it's for all nations. It's for all people, it says there in verse 1 of Psalm 117. It's for everybody. John 3.16 tells us that, doesn't it? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not just a few, but the world he loved. And not when we were living a wonderful, righteous life, but when we were still sinners, it tells us in Romans. He came and he died for us. Beautiful thought for all nations, for all people. Having said that, let's go to Luke chapter 2. I'd like to read it out of the Amplified New Testament, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I have a reason particularly for wanting to read it from that. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. Now, the old King James just says to all people. Here it says to all the people. That's significant. For to you is born this day in the town of David a Savior, who is Christ the Messiah, the Lord. Then it mentions Micah 5, 2, which we saw on the screen, too. It tells us where it's going to happen in Bethlehem, which is David's town. The people, God's special people. God had chosen a special people. He had chosen the Jews. Well, how did this happen or when did it happen? 
Maybe you've heard this before, but it's very important. It certainly is important in, as we consider the Christmas season. It starts way back in the garden. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had done what God told them not to do, after they sinned, after they disobeyed God, Bible tells us Eve was deceived, but Adam basically knew full well what he was doing, which I think makes him even more guilty. But at any rate, God said to the devil, a wonderful promise actually for us. Genesis 3, verse 15. This is a verse that I hope you're very familiar with. It's well worth hearing a second, a third, a fourth time continuously to think about it. God said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed, the devil's seed, and her seed. It shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. Her seed. That's a very interesting way of expressing it. Normally in the Bible you find the seed of the man being spoken of. Here on the other hand it speaks of the seed of the woman. What's that tell us? That one who is going to be the savior is going to be virgin conceived and then virgin born. A miracle. And we learn in Galatians 4.4 that in the fullness of time, God sent his son made of a woman. I once heard that Paul didn't teach the virgin birth, but I don't believe it. Made of a woman. There you see it. And he was. Christ was born of a virgin, even as God had promised. Made of a woman. And this seed, who is Christ, the Messiah, this seed is going to bruise the head of the snake, his descendants, his prodigy, as it were. He himself would suffer in the process. His heel would be bruised, but he would recover. He would die and be raised from the dead. On the other hand, Satan's wound would be fatal. And so here's an ancient promise right there at the beginning after the fall of mankind that God was going to redeem us, that he loves us, that he's going to come and he's going to save us. Many, many, many years later, God chose one individual out of all humanity, out of the nations, out of peoples. He chose one person. It's interesting when we consider the thought of the people that our Indian tribes in California and elsewhere in our nation, often they speak of each tribe as we are the people. <laughs> well, God chose a people, a very special people. And the first one he chose to begin this special people was a man of faith, a man who came out of idolatry from a family who believed in idols and false gods, a man named Abram whom later God renamed to Abraham. Abraham means father of a multitude. He was going to be the father of nations. 
this one who was the seed of the woman promised there in Genesis 3.16 would end up coming out of the lineage of Abraham. Where's that promise? A great promise. Genesis 12, beginning in the last part of verse 3. God is talking to Abraham here. This is also a place to be well familiar with God's promise of taking a special people out. So he told, tells Abraham in the last of verse 3, In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed in him. He's going to be a father, as we said, of nations. His name was eventually changed to Abraham. And so Amos later said in chapter 3, verse 2, little book of Amos, you only I have known of all the families of the earth. God didn't have to choose anybody like that except he promised the Savior would come. He chose Abraham, a man who truly had faith in him, who believed in him. He said everybody would be blessed from his descendant. He's pointing down through the ages to eventually the descendant of Jesus. Jesus' mother was a descendant of Abraham. Jesus' father, Joseph, legal father, he was a descendant of Abraham. So the promise was given. Abraham, though, became an old man, and his wife Sarah was past the age of childbearing. And God renewed to him the promise and said it would come through Sarah, his wife. Well, miraculously, they seemed to have a kind of restoration of youth, sort of a fountain of youth God put them in, as it were. And guess what? Sarah got pregnant. And Sarah had a child. They named the child Isaac. And God told Abraham that through Isaac would come this special savior that had been promised. Later on, Isaac, through his wife, Rebekah, had a couple of twins, Esau and Jacob. God then narrowed the choice down to one of them, it would be Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, not Esau. Jacob's name then was changed eventually to Israel, prince with God. And so, recapping, God had promised way back in the garden that a savior would come, one who would be virgin born. Eventually, many, many years later, God chose a people, starting with Abraham then through his son Isaac, and then through his son Jacob, renamed Israel. About a thousand years later, their descendants, one of them was David, king of Israel. God made David a wonderful promise. We read about this in Psalms 132, verse 11. 
The Lord has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. From the fruit of your body, I will set on your throne. God said a descendant of David would be this special promised Messiah, this anointed one, this Christ. Second Samuel chapter 7 deals with this. In fact, in that chapter, we find a prayer of David to God that God would fulfill his promise that one of his descendants would be the Christ, would sit upon the throne forever. And so it was then about a thousand years after that that a virgin conceived and she gave birth to a son. They named him Jesus. Means God saves, say he saves from sin. He would be a savior. God would come. God was Emmanuel, as it said in the song, Emmanuel means God with us. So when we see Jesus, this promised one, we see God. God is with us in Jesus. He is incarnate in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing this is that God loves us enough to do some great thing like that. And not only to live for us, but then to die a terrible death, bearing the sin of the world, the guilt of all mankind upon himself. What great love that is. And notice this great love back in Psalm 117 is to be for all nations. It's to be for all the people. It's offered to everybody. Through Abraham's seed, everyone is offered salvation and blessing. What an amazing thing this is. So we are to praise God. We're to thank God. He has given us many things in general. To all peoples, he has given rain. He has given flowers. He's given life. He's given food. He's given clothing. You can go on and on. He's given, as it were, a creation. He's given us opportunity to see way off millions of life years into space, a measure of great distance. And God keeps it all going. The ever-living, all-powerful, eternal God. He is a loving God. And he loves the whole world. How wonderful and beautiful this is. Now, especially then through this people that he had chosen, Descendants of Abraham, descendants of David, through that people the Savior came. And then we learn about God's loving kindness, his merciful kindness in verse 2, back in Psalm 117. Certainly Christ's coming is out of God's mercy. It's out of God's grace and God's kindness to us. It's great, it says. And also the truth of the Lord lasts forever. When Jesus stood before 
Pilate, the Roman governor, he indicated that basically he was truth. He was the king of truth. John 18, verse 37. In fact, earlier he had said, just a few hours earlier, at the Last Supper, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we live in a day and age that a lot of people speak of, well, that's your truth, I've got my truth, as if, you know, it's all a matter of personal opinion and maybe there's no real truth. A lot of philosophers deal with this issue. But, my friends, there is truth. There's God's truth, right? God knows what is really correct, what is really a lie, what is really not right, and what is truth. There's man's truth, but then there's God's truth, the genuine, real truth. Christ is the truth. God does not lie, and through him we may be saved and learn the truth. And we too then may praise God and honor him. Now, God gave through Moses the Old Testament, an old agreement. God gives us the New Testament, a new agreement. But did you know that this is actually prophesied that it was going to happen? The book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 31. This is easy to remember, 31, 31. Here's a prophecy. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, the Jehovah, that I will make a new covenant, a new agreement with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Later, we're going to observe this new covenant in the communion service. Remember, it's at the Last Supper, found in Matthew 26, verse 28. Jesus said, this is my blood of the New Testament, the New Covenant. That's what Jeremiah said was going to happen. My blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You see, through the people, the chosen people, through the Mosaic law, Jesus would be pictured. His death would be pictured and shown. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Let's begin reading with verse 3. Hebrews 10, 3. In those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible, great statement here, not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. You see, what it did, it actually covered sin for a while, a little bit like sweeping the dirt under the rug. It was effective, and God forgave us, but sin hadn't too, truly been dealt with yet not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body you have prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin 
you have had no pleasure. Then I said, look, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Above, when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin you would not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, that is the law of Moses. Then he said, lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he might establish the second. Remember a new covenant. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It's forever complete. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. Talk about the Old Testament priests which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From there, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, because by one offering he has perfected forever them who are sanctified. So it shows us that Christ fulfilled what all these animal sacrifices spoke of, what they pictured. Christ is the reality. Their blood could never truly atone for sin, but the precious blood of God's Savior, His Son, the Lord Jesus, deals with sin. The dirt is not, no longer under the rug. It's been swept clean and dealt with. Jesus did that for you. Jesus did that for me. Jesus did that for all the nations. Jesus did that for all the people. And thank God we are included as believers into this great acceptance of God and forgiveness and free eternal life. We could never earn it. We have all failed. But thank God that we can accept it and thank him for it. Having said this, I'd like to go back and reread our, our psalm. Psalm 117. Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Jehovah, all you nations. Praise him, all you people. Because his merciful kindness is great toward us, us, his people. And the truth of the Lord lasts forever. Remember, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And then it ends, praise the Lord. Yes, we need to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Thanking him for what he has done through the long prophesied Savior who was virgin born, who gave the atoning sacrifice, who victoriously was raised from the dead. And as we trust in him and repent, he lives in our hearts. He helps us every day. He helps us to enter into the abundant life, which he promised in John chapter 10, verse 10. Thank God. Praise God. May we bow in prayer. 
Lord, thank you for this small but powerful psalm. Thank you, Lord, it's for everybody. Thank you that you made a new testament, a new covenant, whereby we are saved if we repent and put our faith in the Lord Jesus. When we accept your gift, our sins are dealt with justly, righteously, and we are received as your children. We become a part of your special people, a part of the family that you have chosen. So we thank you and praise you. And now as we remember this, your broken body and your shed blood in the communion service, may we do it with all our hearts and in full faith and surrender. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.